We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Amino Hassan, and you're listening to the Sun's Solar Panel Podcast. So finally, joining us on today's episode, the one, <laughs> the only, Mr. Greg Esposito. Hi. I heard it. A- I heard absence makes the heart grow fonder, and uh, after a few of the reviews I saw on iTunes, I thought maybe it was time for me to step away for a few weeks and uh, and let people uh, try to love me again. So, how are you guys? You doing well? We are doing pretty well. We're actually uh, we've gone through a lot of change over the last couple of weeks, man. I don't even know if you know who we are anymore. Uh, I know Tim, but I don't know this old guy that looks kind of like Santa. Is that Dave or uh, <laughs> who, who is this? <laughs> like I said, we've gone through change. Don't judge. <laughs> Just because you're wearing a dress doesn't mean anything changed, Dave. Yeah. Oh, I forgot we're on YouTube now. I yeah, can't joke yeah. about what you're wearing. Yeah. That's right. Well, People you actually know, about, know. You don't know what's going on below the uh, below the neckline, actually. Nor do I want to. So. All right. So. As of the time of recording this episode, the Suns are 10 and 33 on the season. There is virtually no way that they are not the worst team in the West uh, throughout the, the end West, of the season. Sure. They, you know, have to catch up about nine games or so, which is possible, but very unlikely. Right now, they're basically in a four-way tie for the worst with Chicago, New York, and Cleveland. And as of right now, with taking into account the team's efficiency differential, they are expected to win a total of 20.2 games. I think all of us kind of um, had them closer to the 30 mark, so we were wrong on that one. What was I saying last summer? I'm trying to remember. Can somebody help me out? 28. But we both said if they had a point guard, it'd be in the 30s. So yeah, none of us had them at 20. That's we can safe to say there. Right. It's more of an inefficiency rating when you're talking about the Suns. There's nothing efficient about anything that they're doing right now. Oh, Greg, you're back. I am back. Dad jokes for everybody. (laughs) You get a dad joke, and you get a dad joke. So the question being. Should the how should the Suns approach the second half of the season? Should they go ahead and and tank it away and uh, sit Devin Booker? No, there's no benefit in tanking at this point because of the new odds, and they're already tanking without trying. So that's the that's the beauty <laughs> in this. If they don't get an actual point guard, they're not going to have a problem continuing to lose. Let's be honest with that. Uh, and I. Uh, I don't have a huge problem with it because 
they're trying. They're they're playing hard still. There's effort there. It just hasn't all come together, and I don't think any of us expect it to until they're not playing a G leaguer as their starting point guard. So uh, we've seen improvement in areas. We've seen some development in areas. Obviously, DeAndre Ayton is uh, is up and down. Uh, there's there's nights he'll score 24 and a quarter, and there's nights he doesn't show up uh, at all. Uh, case in point, the Mavericks game this week. So. I'm okay with it, but I don't. If you bench Devin Booker, you're also going to have to trade Devin Booker soon, eventually, because he's not going to deal yeah. with that. We How saw that go with Eric Bledsoe. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, yeah, look here. Here's here's the thing. It doesn't matter what the Suns do the rest of the year; they're going to have a top five draft pick. If you look at the those same projections that Tim is referencing, I'm actually on the Basketball Reference site on those projections, and it looks like they're projected at 22 wins on that one. Um, but there's five teams, which you just alluded to, uh, the Hawks, Knicks, Bulls, Cavaliers, all in the East, and then the Suns in the West, projected to be under 30 wins. And then the next lowest projection is 33.7 wins by the Orlando Magic. There's almost no way the Suns drop out of a top five pick, no matter what they do the rest of the year. The question is whether they go all the way to number one or – if they end up around number five before the lottery odds are, are, uh, you know, applied. And as we talked about the, um, the lottery odds have changed where it's almost as good to have a, a fifth pick or fourth pick as it is to have a second or first. So I, I don't think the Suns have anything to worry about with the tanking. I think they should just keep trying and keep and not, uh, try to lose games. They're already losing plenty without yeah. worrying about it. Um, the only thing I would do is is consider just study, setting up for next year. And that doesn't mean picking up another 19-year-old. What it does mean, or 21 or whatever year old, um, what it does mean is possibly trying to find just better fits on the roster. Uh, there was a rumor that came out this week. I don't know if you want to talk about it right now, but on the Ringer podcast, um, I think it was Kevin O'Connor said that the Suns have been inquiring a little bit about Dennis Smith Jr. from Dallas, who's out of their rotation because he can't they don't like the fit of him next to Luka Doncic. I don't know if that kind of thing materializes, but that's the kind of thing the Suns should be looking for is another guy who is an already NBA player who might fit in their rotation, just like they did with Kelly Oubre. Yeah, look, I, I would do the the Milwaukee pick for, for Dennis Smith Jr. I think but... at this point, like this, <laughs> of course you would do the Milwaukee pick. I mean, <laughs> yeah, the, the Milwaukee pick at this point has just become comical. Well, it has, but no, honestly, it's only comical because it hasn't been used yet. Right, but I mean, just it's mean every every trade is like I would use a Milwaukee pick. Of course, you yeah. would. We would all use a Milwaukee pick for like anything yeah. right now. Well, this <laughs> is true. That that is very true. At you this actually, point, here's here's the only downside on the Dennis Smith thing is you really don't want Dennis Smith and DeAnthony Melton and Elia Kobo yeah. uh, in your in your point guard depth going into the rest of the year. So what you'd really have to do is try to work out who's the better long-term prospect. And, you know, I am not convinced that Dennis Smith is next year, the year after the year after significantly better or even worth uh, trading DeAnthony Melton or Ilya Kobo for, because you don't need all three and whether they're traded in the same trade or they're traded later, you don't need all three guys. And if you're putting your wagon on Dennis Smith, you're kind of giving up on the potential of a DeAnthony Melton or an Ilya Kobo. Yeah. The, the thing I'd, 
I actually would rather see, and I'd take a bigger swing, is dealing their own pick at this point. Make it top one protected. So if if you happen to strike lightning, can you you actually put a name next to that protection? Zion Williamson protected. That yeah, well, (laughs) that's number one protected because there's no way that guy's not going number one. Wouldn't that be awesome though if you could make it player protected? (laughs) And then it doesn't matter if someone else goes number one. You're still hey, I get to keep my pick at number two because Zion's still on the board. I have a feeling you probably could do that. Like I mean, depending on, uh, I can't imagine there's a rule that says you can't. Like it's it's probably just an agreement between you and the other. Other GM. No so. what, if this dude is on the board, we keep the pick. Otherwise, <laughs> yeah. you can have it. Yeah, I mean, I really, that's that's what it's at. Any other kid that's coming out of college, I don't care about for this roster. If you got a chance to pick Zion, I want the pick. That, I mean, it's that simple. <laughs> because you don't need scouts to pick Zion Williamson. You know that the, the, the eye test tells you everything you need to know when he's on ESPN every third day. So... Yeah, hey, like, let's talk about the 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 scouts part. Um, so I did not get a chance to talk to James Jones. We'll we'll talk about this later in the in the pod about um, the interview with James Jones this week. But um, we didn't get to talk about his lack of scouts in the front office. But seriously, if you've got a top four pick, top five pick in this upcoming draft, and you don't expect to keep your other picks, how badly do you need scouts to be combing the country and the world? looking for prospects if you're really only going to be picking in the top four or five and all those guys are on national TV all the time. And see, I was, I actually was talking to a good friend of mine about this this week. And I don't, I think in the world we live in now, I don't think you really need the ability to, uh, or uh, scouts if you're at the top of the draft, because there's enough written about these guys. There's enough, uh, them on television. I think the only case where you would, is with a guy like if there's a prospect like a and I know you hate mentioning this guy's name on the show, but like well, a we have to do it. It's like a rule, I guess. <laughs> but like where there's a top European prospect where it's not where you're not watching him uh, as much, it probably benefits you. But if you're looking at at college guys here in the states, I don't think you need need those. And I think you could probably just read a bunch of mock drafts and top writers. <laughs> of, of college basketball and the NBA to get enough of an idea of what you need to do. I mean, to be to be frank, how tough would last year's draft have been uh, without scouts outside of uh, outside of Doncic? To be frank, McDonough like set records for how many players he scouted personally as well as his whole staff. And how did he do in the draft? Well, I mean, it's very true. His record was it was spotted at best, but I think that's just because of the world he came from. To he was. Uh, in scouting before he became a GM. Oh, I'm just guys, saying, did it help him make better draft selections? There were players, better players picked later than his picks in every year. You know what the you want the honest truth? I think you could blindfold a monkey and throw darts and draft about as well as most general managers because it's that big of a crapshoot. Like it's not like any of these guys have super, uh, you know, inside intel. They talk to the coaches. They talk to family. They watch games. Okay. Well, what are coaches and, and family and people going to say? Most of them are going to praise the kid that they that they work with. Most coaches aren't going to go, yeah, this guy actually really sucks. You know, you really shouldn't draft him. Like they're not going to do that because it doesn't benefit them. They want top. Well, they want their guys. <clears throat> there's the interview sessions. There's the you know getting to know the player themselves, getting them into your city and all that but that really at that point you want your uh your coaches 
to be talking to the players, you know, the, that you're thinking about drafting. So when it comes to next summer, when you've got the NBA combine next spring, NBA combine, and then leading up to the draft at that point, all the skills have been evaluated. Then you're trying to figure out their fit in the NBA. And, uh, you really need your uh, hands-on coaches and front office and all that for that, not necessarily these advanced scouts that are going all over. Now, look, folks, I, I, I'm not crapping all over the scouting profession. I'm just saying that with so much information out there now, it's a little less necessary than it used to be. Now, if the uh, draft changes to um, taking out high school again, then you'll have to have scouts. Because you can't – those those 18-year-olds, 17-year-olds are not on national television. They're not – totally prevalent maybe you could rely on you know reports from a uh um the espn draft express guys but really you should have scouts at that point but but at right now when all your players are coming out of college or the readily available even euro leagues um those are all available on 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 tape and and all that well and like to your point the combine those pre pre-draft workouts in towns those are speed dating i mean that's uh, i'd rather Honestly, I'd rather have a psychologist in the room than a scout to tell me who who well, this person right. is. You know, like it, so at that it, point, right? Yeah. So well, you can have you can have one forty-eight hour visit and one twenty-four hour visit per player. Um, so if you you know you got to narrow it down at some point, but you can narrow it down um, pretty well uh, to to the kind of players you want to target at your pick, and then who they think they'll be available at their pick, and then you bring them in for a couple of days, and that's how you get to know them. Yeah. So I, I don't think that the scouting thing hurts, but I think it is tipping their hand that likely, you know, that that pick may not be around. So if you're going to move it, I think you move it at the at the trade deadline rather than waiting because it's going to be a better perceived value. Unless the Suns go on some insane run between now and that first week in February, the perceived value of that pick is going to be likely higher than the reality of that pick by the time we get to the to the draft lottery in may <clears throat> that's the way it always is perceived value of draft picks because every gm thinks they can do better with the pick um than not having it you know so yeah the, the picks definitely have value in in trades oh. yeah, i'm high i'm high on zion and i don't care about the rest <clears throat> there's there's a second dad zion. joke so high on zion if, if people think that scouting though is not important uh, just go look at the Denver Nuggets and and what they've been able to do with with their draft picks. Right, but if you can pick it, all I'm, all we're saying we're not saying it's not important. I agree with you, Tim. The Nuggets have done some really incredible drafting uh, at their at their points. Those are exceptions. Twenty five out of thirty teams, it's a crapshoot. Right, well, and you is. want to know the irony about the Denver thing? One of the Suns' <laughs> main guys that did scouting. Pat Conley was the brother of uh, the GM in uh, in Denver. So, like... <laughs> His brother was more... No, I'm sorry, Pat. Pat was great. I miss yeah. Pat being around. Really, the Suns just having basically never once hit... Not never once, but, you know, in the Ryan McDonough era, never once hitting on a second-round pick has really hurt them. And I mean by not hitting, like, not even finding a serviceable player in the well, second round. They I traded one of their second round picks for John Luer. That was a really good year for him. <laughs> I mean, that's, it's not hitting on a, <laughs> yeah. a second round pick though. That's merely trading your, 
you know, and then the only one you can really give him credit for is a DeAnthony Melton, but they didn't even draft him, you know, and then. No, uh, he, he picked Elliot Kobo first. Right, and right. And left Melton on the board. Uh, not to mention Malik Beasley, but. The Sun Solar Panel Podcast is so hot, I even agreed to do these silly voicers for Tim. Now, back to the show. Listen, so if you want to go ahead and support the podcast, you can. It's super easy. We have a bunch of people there doing it. It's like a dollar a month. All you have to do is open up the podcasting app that you're listening on right now, or if you're on YouTube, it's in the show notes below, wherever it is, and it says support this podcast. You hit that little button, and uh, you can support the solar panel for a dollar a month, and we appreciate all of you guys that do, and I do want to thank a specific supporter, Bailey Lyons. And um, if you do decide that you want to support us with $5 or $10 a month, I will personally send you some Suns swag. Bailey did that. But here's the thing, Bailey. I don't have your address. I don't know how to get in touch with you. So you have to hit us up on Twitter or on Facebook. Send us a message. Say hi. I'll get your address and I'll send you some Suns swag. But if you want to go ahead and support the podcast, all you got to do, look in the show notes, hit the little uh, support this podcast button. Yeah, and we'll get some solar panel stickers going too and then for any uh, any big fish out there that want a high dollar support i'll break out some autograph merchandise out of the uh, prize closet well there's back here behind me if you're watching on youtube there's and, only uh, there's only three options there's uh there's one dollar a month five dollars a month and ten dollars a month there's yeah i'm talking else. about the ten dollar big fish i'm not talking about somebody breaking a <clears> hundred dollars a month for this show i don't i wouldn't even do that so so if you get, if you hit the ten dollar a month, uh, well, I'll see what I can uh, I can hook you up with. But Greg, if to, you put hundred dollars a month into this show, you're going the wrong direction. I don't think uh, you understand the model. I know. I know. If we start supporting, we're already supporting this show. <laughs> hey, listen, but like a dollar a month is like buying one of us a cup of gas station coffee once a month, and uh, I think it's worth it if you get a lot out of the show. I agree. Thank, Thank you for everybody who's done it so far, and. Uh, and uh, anybody that does it in the future, we appreciate you, and we appreciate you, even if you don't, for taking the time to listen to three idiots talking about a team they uh, they love to hate and hate to love. So. Yep. so, before we go to break, I want to talk about Quincy AC briefly. Son signed him to a ten day contract. Uh, my takeaway uh, from it was that the Suns recognize their needs on the roster and uh you know they did something to address it but it more what stuck out to me was look at their signing quincy ac for a 10-day contract that's likely something they're going to try and uh the need not necessarily with quincy ac but something that they're going to try and approach this offseason i thought that was interesting that they had um quincy ac on the on the roster for about two hours um officially and he got into the game and played about uh, 10 to 15 minutes at least. He looked in that rough first game. too. He, he looked like he hadn't played in a minute. Well, he did, but the sun, but Igor put him out there. Yeah. And yet uh, they had, um, his name is escaping me right now. That's how much he played. He played five total minutes in, in 10 games that he was with the team. Uh, um, shoot. Who was the Eric Moreland? Uh, they yes. signed Eric Moreland, had him for about a month. And put him in one game for five minutes. They have Quincy AC for two hours, 
and they put him in a game for more minutes than Moreland ever played. So obviously, uh, Igor likes what AC brings a little bit better than Moreland. Moreland was a Rishon Holmes clone, so he was kind of insurance against injury, I believe, uh, whereas Quincy AC is is more of a wing guy, and he happens to be the heftiest dude out there uh, for the Suns, so he can he can bring a little bit more uh, box out ability because the Suns are awful at rebounding because of uh, because of the fact that every one of their non DeAndre Ayton guys and, or Rashawn Holmes guys is too skinny to box anybody out. Hey, uh, James Jones, if you're looking for hefty guys, I am available. <clears throat> uh, my height probably isn't what you want, but I got the weight. So, <laughs> well, that's what Quincy Acey says. He's about six seven. <laughs> but no, but you guys agree with me that the Suns, uh, based off of this signing, recognize the need for a defensive power forward who can rebound the ball a bit and that might be something that uh we know that they uh will approach this offseason how could you the, not know that that's one of your needs while watching this team yeah. i mean it's it's that glaring i mean i don't just, i don't give the suns any possible for these for the rest of the suns roster besides ayton and holmes to actually box anybody out they just sealing them off on rebounds is is really difficult because they don't have a lot of sand in their bucket and uh ac does have a little bit more of that plus He's a 35% three-point shooter, which means he's at least serviceable on that end. I couldn't yeah, tell from not... his first shot. Well, he, he passed up a lot of shots uh, in his first game anyway. Um, and I, I respected that out of him. He found other open guys because he, he realized, I just came off the street two hours ago. I probably shouldn't take this really important <laughs> three in the fourth quarter. Um, but he did play most of that fourth quarter, so he obviously did other things well. Uh, I, I appreciated that. When your power forward and your small forward could link arms and usually wouldn't be as big as the power forward on the opposing team, you've got a hole in your roster. And Quincy AC isn't the long-term answer. He's a stopgap, obviously, uh, but that's a it's a need that they will address at some point. And if they don't, uh, I mean, I guess we were saying the point guard was a need they needed to address too, and they haven't done that uh, in in about a year. But uh, <laughs> if they don't, we're we're gonna know that this is an overmatched front office for sure. So I mean, call me crazy. We're about to go to a break, but I really like D'Anthony Melton. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, if there are long, some, in the long there are run, some things to really like about D'Anthony Melton, and there are some things that he really has to work on to be a, a long term serviceable player. I just wonder if they're doing him a disservice by forcing him into this position right now, and does it does it impact the growth at some point? But I like I like what I I see in certain areas for sure. I like I like Melton's attitude. Um, the thing is, I think if you played Eliakobo too much, you could potentially um, stunt his long term growth a little bit if you overplay him as a as a young guy. I think with Melton, Melton is so much about energy. I think he doesn't care. Right now, this year is just going to be a blur anyway. Any Anything he does this year is a blur, whether it's five minutes a game or 30 minutes a game. He's just going to play balls out every second he's on the court. Um, he's not going to know what the heck he's doing most of the time, but it's not going to affect him if he, if he plays 30 versus five minutes. So I think it's okay for him to play a ton of minutes as a rookie, which is probably why Igor has grafted onto him as as his starter over in Eliakobo and uh, letting go of the other point guards the Suns had. So... Um, I, I, that that's what they see is Melton is unaffected by minutes. It doesn't mean he's 
more effective with more minutes. It just means he's unaffected. He's going to be the same dude for five versus 30 minutes. Now to bring this YouTube portion of the show full circle, he's the Dave King of playing because his balls are out. So there you go. <laughs> Uh, don't let me YouTube. stand up uh, You probably noticed me getting up and down For about the first 15 minutes of the show If you were listening Since you are listening to the podcast You probably heard me not say anything for about 15 minutes Can I just say how hard it is to podcast With a 3 year old running around Yeah, it's, it's just as tough with a 2 year old Which is part of why we do this so early on a Saturday Because my 2 year old sleeps Yeah you guys try on. to get it done Before the kids wake up And I'm I'm just an old guy so I, I'm up anyway Well the problem is Tim's on the east coast So it, it's actually you know 9.30 there rather than 7.30 so that kid goes Hey it's time to get up and let's party And Tim's like whoa 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 You need to How change his sleep quiet? cycle Just well, have him go to bed at midnight so he's sleeping Past 9.30 Well here's the thing so I just moved and I got this new office and I'm like, thank God my office has a door. I can lock it for when I'm podcasting. Yeah. This will be great. So today's the first episode in the new office, which my mic probably sounds a little bit echoey because I haven't set up my soundproofing. Long story short, all I did was start banging on the door. That didn't solve We couldn't anything. hear it. So you could have just ignored him. Really? What you can do, what you need to do is put your soundproofing stuff on the outside of your door. So when he bangs on it, it just absorbs the sound. Yeah, that's... And on that note, let's go ahead and take a break. When we get back, we're going to talk about James Jones exclusive interview for Brightside Night and uh, some of Dave King's takeaways. A couple of months ago, uh, you know, Dave started talking about Brightside Night, and we were all kind of making fun of him for picking the Kings game. And I got to be honest with you, about halfway through this Kings game, I almost turned the goddamn thing off because I was like, I just cannot take another fucking 20-point loss to a, a, a team that we should be better than. Um, I'm going to turn it off. But you know what? I didn't, and I didn't turn it off because I knew that it was Dave's night. And then all of a sudden, it ended up being a really, really epic game. I don't want to talk about the game that much, though. I want to talk it about... It was pretty incredible. At halftime, I was so incensed over them being down 19 on um, Brightside Night. I had all those kids there. I actually stormed into the locker room and, and gave the guys the business. Did you? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I have zero access. That, that was part of the experience. Can you, you imagine me busting through security going longer? I've got kids here! I actually kind of... Thought <laughs> Maybe you went there and you're like, guys, I got 3,000 kids here, man. I got 3,000 kids here. <laughs> Get off well, their asses. And, no, I wish and I could Igor, Igor turned to him and he goes, I got 15 of them here in the locker room. What are you talking about? <laughs> are they any older? Actually, the kids were, were not much younger than the players on the floor. That's for sure. Ended up being, ended up being a really, really great game. The, the, the game before that, too, and I don't recall who they were playing, they ended up losing by a couple of points or whatever. That was a really good game, too. But regardless, there was a... Part of Brightside Night was an exclusive interview with James Jones. Now, we have seen Evan Sidery talk about his comments on the point guards, and I do want to talk about that a little bit. But, Dave, you were there, obviously, for the whole thing. I had to ask a couple of questions. What were some of the takeaways you had? 
some of my biggest takeaways is that he's just a, a quiet, down to earth guy. He was he's very smart. He was all academic and stuff like that when he was younger. Um, but he uh, he's he's very quiet and he's not going to be full of bravado. He's going to say the platitudes like, yeah, yeah, we don't need a point guard. We already have one, that kind of thing. But um, he's he's pretty down to earth. And what's really important to him is having the right guys in the locker room. And we talked a little bit about uh, Jamal Crawford joining the team. And it was basically as much for his personality and his locker room influence as anything else. But he also agreed that Jamal has to play in order to have Hache in the locker room to be able to talk to the guys and talk to him during timeouts. You can't have a guy in a suit coming off the end of the bench telling guys how to play better in that last three seconds that they were before the timeout was called and then expect them to play differently coming out of the timeout if you're not actually in the game with them. So Jamal Crawford may not be the player that Trevor Ariza was um, athletically and, and, you know, impact wise anymore, but he is the influence that they always wanted Trevor Ariza to be. And I thought that was, I thought that was really important. So that's, that's the kind of thing is, is the guys that have come into the team have been good locker room guys who, who don't care how many minutes they play. Yeah. I mean, James Jones understands culture. I think that came through very clearly uh, in that interview and understands the importance of the human side uh, of the game and the way that 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 people gel and there's no doubt that his experience around uh, you know around LeBron and those teams uh, taught him that very well so I, I was impressed with that but did you at any point during that interview uh, and that interaction with him get the feeling that he is slightly overmatched for this job or did you walk away with more confidence in James Jones after spending that time with him? It's a good question. I had talked to him a few times over the course of the last year, <clears throat> and he always comes off exactly the same. He he is confident in himself as a person. He knows he, – his thing, he made a comment uh, on Tuesday night, I, I know what I don't know, and I respect that. Uh, but – at the same time, there's always those unknowns you didn't know you didn't know, right? And th- that's what you cannot control for. But he has a little bit more of a down-to-earth self-awareness than um, than we would I, I would have expected. Uh, the thing is, he's going to he's going to believe what he believes, and he has said on the radio before. And I didn't get a chance to ask him. We had 25 minutes, and I let the crowd. Uh, we had 40 of our uh, biggest donors in the room with us, and I let them ask most of the questions. Um, but I didn't circle back around about why he hasn't hired a bunch of draft scouts. We talked about that in the first part of this podcast. I think that's going to be one of the things he's, he's, he'll be very different from a Ryan McDonough or many GMs out there. He'll be more of a NBA players GM than he will be a draft picks GM. So the, the way this roster is going to be constructed going forward is going to be very different than the way Ryan McDonough was constructing it. Whether that's successful or not is completely unknown. That's the thing is we just don't know. But do you know that another general manager will be a ton better? We don't know. He has actually executed a trade between him and Trevor sharing the GM duties. That trade worked out pretty well. And actually, when it fell apart over the Dylan Brooks issue, um, it could have completely fallen apart. But the Suns worked it so that they ended up getting the Kelly Oubre in that trade and finishing the deal. And, you know, that's you can only make two or three trades in a year. 
uh, he did go into, I think uh, Evan shared those comments. He did go into how are you going to acquire players? We talked about point guard in particular, but basically how are you going to acquire players on, on this team? And, and he said trades are tough because the other team has to want the player you want to trade as much as you want the player you want to acquire. And that's the problem is that every NBA team wants the other team to be worse off after a trade. And so it's really <laughs> difficult when you're when you're working in a vacuum, sitting at your computer like me or, or you guys, and, and constructing trades that you think are fair. You're not the other team. And the other team may not think it's fair. Whether they're right or not is immaterial. It's the guys who are in charge thinking they're right and getting the deal that they think works. And so just like you want to uh, want to win a trade, so do they. So he's like, trades are difficult. You can control free agency a little bit because you're just convincing the player. You're not convincing the other team and other players, you know, about the other players. And um, obviously the draft you have a little control over just because of whoever's left on the board at the time of drafting. But trades are difficult, and yet he's already completed one. So I don't think um, he's just – he's not going to be bravado and, and all that. But he is – We'll just it, it it's just going to show on the court. We just don't know. Is he qualified? No. But does he have the talent to be okay and and better than okay as a GM? Sure. Uh, we just don't know if it'll actually come to fruition until it actually happens. I found it interesting that he talked about mentorship too, and that he he needs it too, and that that he still talks to people and relies on it. That that made me feel a little bit better about it because he's not a guy that thinks I have all the answers. I know uh, I, I'm just going to come in and do it. You know, he, he understands he needs to rely on people and, uh, you know, having played for the Pat Riley's or, or played under uh, an organization that was run by the Pat Riley's of the world, uh, you know, and, and having known uh, a uh, guys in, in the Cavs organization, uh, uh, like Griff, uh, that makes me feel a little bit better that hopefully he's asking for advice from those. But did you get the feeling that this is his job basically moving forward? Was there anything that that insinuated he feels like he's still in an audition mode? I don't know that he thinks he's in an audition mode in terms of having to impress his boss, but I don't know that he thinks this is his next five years job either. Gotcha. He's just doing what he's being asked to do right now, and they're all just playing the season out. So I think he's completely comfortable as the interim GM. So I want to talk about his comments on uh, the point guard situation, um, especially because we have heard that the Suns were interested in Dennis Smith. So I found it interesting that James Jones basically said, look, free agency is where we're <laughs> going to get our point guard, right? So I have a list of all the unrestricted and restricted free agent point guards coming up this offseason. So I want you guys to count on your hands as I list off these point guards, the amount of starting quality point guards that are unrestricted. Okay. Can I just make a, yeah, absolutely. I want you to go through those, Tim, but can I just make a point? He said trades are difficult, but he's already done a trade. And then two days later, we hear about sons being interested in Dennis Smith. So I don't think he thinks trades are the, um, are out of the picture. Right. But go ahead, please. Okay. So I will leave off people that are just too obvious. Patrick Beverly. Eric Bledsoe. Wait, what, what guys are you leaving off? Tell me what, what you're leaving off. Baldwin Wade the Fourth. 
<laughs> oh yeah, right. I'm using toes to count him. He's not even in the uh, backup point guard list here. So right. let, yeah, let me use a little bit of editorial judgment on some of these. Sure. <laughs> I just didn't want you to exclude the highest paid ones because it is possible the Suns will go after like a Kyrie. Right. Right. No. Okay. No. Okay. <laughs> so we're we're good though. We agree. Baldwin yeah, Wade yeah. the fourth is not. And no, they're not going after Kyrie because LeBron's guy isn't going to go sign Kyrie. That just doesn't. I can't imagine if LeBron and Kyrie weren't the best of friends that James Jones and Kyrie are real buddy buddy either. So Kyrie's like, really think that has anything to do with it. Yes. Seriously? You. Th- I think that. I think that relationships. And that's what you're relying on James Jones to bring here. Well, that's why they cut Tyson Chandler. It was a favor to the agent, hoping that they could get a favor from the agent later on. Um, So anyway, you guys ready? Mm, Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Okay. So remember, count on your fingers so we don't lose count. Uh Uh-oh. Okay. Patrick Beverly, Eric Bledsoe, Trey Burke, Darren Collison, Seth Curry, Raymond Felton, Tim Frazier, Devin Harris, Corey Joseph, Jeremy Lin, TJ McConnell, Shelvin Mack, Alfred Payton, Rajon Rondo, Derek Rose, Ravishing Ricky Rubio, Ish Smith, Isaiah Thomas, and Kimba Walker. Corrin's not on that list. Does he have a player option? I left off all the players with player options, and that would okay. include Goran Dragic, Kyrie Irving, Tyler Johnson, and Jeff Teague. Okay, so uh, I counted four. Okay, who, uh, who were your four? Really? He said a lot more names than four. You're terrible. Yeah, I can't, yes, I only count. I only count. Tim only said four <laughs> names. It must have. I had a stroke during the middle of it. <laughs> No, uh, it was Bledsoe, Rubio. Uh, shoot, who were the other two? We you would want Bledsoe back. Kimble, no, he Kimble said Walker. Kemba Walker. He said starting caliber point guard. Okay. Right. Uh, and then uh, there was one Darren that was Collison? borderline, but not Darren Collison. I Dave is throwing what he threw out there. Rubio? Let me forget the extra one. Rubio. Rubio. I, Rubio was one of Kemba, Rubio, Bledsoe, and there was one other guy that was kind of a borderline on my list, but there's not, it's not exactly a, uh, a list that you feel overwhelmingly positive about, and you're not going to bring Bledsoe back. So that's one guy off out of those four. That's already, already out the window. So. Right. And, and think about this summer too, where everybody has a lot of cap money because this is the, the summer in which everyone's getting off of that cap spike money. Uh, so there's a lot of people at the table and there's not that many seats, right? Uh, yeah. I know Goran's not on the list because he has a player option, but uh, collusion is not something that anybody's surprised happens in this league. And we know that Robert loves Goran. Uh, he actually signed him instead of one of the other free agents this year, Raymond Felton, when his, uh, when his GM was pushing for him back in the Lance Blanks days. We know that Igor loves Goran. It would not shock me if it was a wink, wink, come back, be, uh, you know, for your final run here in Phoenix and help these young guys at the point guard position. If Gordon's going to have a retirement parade season, it's got to be in Phoenix, right? Yeah. I could see them going, hey, we'll give you three years at a little bit more than you're going to make the one year in Miami. Uh, we'll give you that Steve Nash contract. 
Yeah, come come here. You can you know you know Igor's system, and you can be that transition guy. You can uh, you can help us win a little bit now. You can transition into uh, into later in your career. And 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 actually, James talked about that. He was talking more about a, a star that you would add to the roster, but that the point of having all these young guys is so if you add a couple uh, high end veterans as they start to. Uh, fade away for lack of a better term the young guys pick up the slack and they kind of get that that nice uh, ride into the sunset moment so okay. it would not shock me if if they somehow wind up with Gorn and and Gorn turns down that player <clears throat> option so um so just for a moment here just one of the other things that James Jones said was if you his two main vehicles free agency in the draft um because you can't rely on trades if trades happen they happen but um he also said look you have to decide if you want your point guard because that's what we were talking about to be a 19 year old that grows with the team but is a little bit behind the current team then you'd use the draft because and he was referring to a uh is a jay or ja morant kind of guy where if you're gonna take that point guard in the draft then you're you're giving up again several years of development uh, time. So free agency is really his his first goal on that point guard. So given that, if you're talking about that group, well, I we would have, have restricted free agents that I haven't brought up yet because I think the restricted free agent list is much more interesting. Sure, but within okay, that's good. So we'll go to that next. But the uh, unrestricteds, I think uh, the Suns would have a very short list on there. I don't think they're interested in a uh, a backup who one of the young guys might beat out anyway. They've already done that kind of thing. I think it's going to be like a Kemba. It's going to be potentially a Kyrie if his, his – and I know you guys say he uh, James would never do a Kyrie, and that's totally fine. Kemba or Gorin or let's go into your restricted free agency. Ricky I don't think Rubio. there's anyone else. Uh, maybe a Ricky Rubio. Maybe Ricky Rubio. Mm-hmm. Rubio so would, would be interesting. I think know. a Darren Collison would be a really good fit with his team too. I just don't see – I think that would be an August signing, if anything, right? If all their other top five options, six options fall apart, then a Darren Collison would be a great consolation prize, but right. he shouldn't be the guy you signed on uh, the first week. No, he's the 15th best starting point guard sure. in the NBA, right? Yeah, so – which is better than what the Suns currently have. Yes. And is in – and probably would be in a salary – uh, type of range where it'd be okay if he loses a starting job to a suddenly developing a Melton or, or a Kobo, but also if those guys don't develop, he could hold the hold the fort. Sh- certainly, certainly. What I like but about that would be an August signing. I think your first. I think I think what the Suns will do is they'll do a a Kemba, Ricky, uh, Kyrie kind of Goran kind of group first. Um, what I like about Darren Collison is uh, how well he plays off the ball. Um, with the with the Pacers um, playing next to Victor Oladipo, I I'd almost I'd rather have just uh, I don't know that James Jones would rather have, but I'd rather have uh, T.J. McConnell over Derek Collison. That that was the fourth ooh, name. T.J. McConnell was my. Favorite. You don't like T.J. You know He's what, Tim? Fine. You probably see more of TJ or heard more about TJ than the rest of us because of uh, your driving dish days with the Sixers yeah, guys. He's he is a fine backup point guard. We've had this conversation. The Suns already have backup point guards. You don't need another backup point guard. When you go acquire a point guard, don't get a goddamn backup point guard. We fucking have those. Now listen. No, we have G leaguers. Damn it, They're not even backups. <laughs> they aren't G leaguers. They were drafted. Listen. So the restricted. 
free agency class. I want to talk about this a little bit. Malcolm Brogdon, Emmanuel Moutier, Terry Rozier, um, do, 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 and D'Angelo Russell, uh, as well as Actually. Thomas, as well as uh, <coughs> Thomas Sadaransky. Okay, so Rozier. That is a very interesting list. I actually love that list. Uh huh. Rozier and Russell are probably guys that you're going to be able to get because their teams of art uh, are pretty set at point guard. Unless, unless for some reason the Celtics know Kyrie's going to go somewhere else, but every indication is they believe he's coming back. And so Saturansky too. Uh, uh, Russell Saturansky is, I think, a. Uh, um, and ultimately a career backup. So I wouldn't give him a ton of money. It would be more of a late July, August signing, but I really love the, uh, I know people are, are thinking Terry Rozier is overrated and he probably is, yes. but I'd love the fact that he's going to actually make less money now as a restricted free agent because of the year that he's having with such a deep Celtics team. So that helps a little bit. Now, D'Angelo Russell being buddy, buddy with a Devin Booker, yeah. That's the part that yeah. I'm like, hey. I just worry that the Suns would give up 600 points a game and set uh, futility records. That's There's my a only good point. chance they do that anyways, Dave. So uh, <laughs> They might as well might score as well, while doing it, right? And, and might as well keep Devin happy. So, <laughs> so if you— um, if I would you, do— What, say, tell, what do you Say think? that. There's what? somebody else on that list. Tell me that list restricted list again, please. Uh, do, do, do Quickly. Malcolm Brogdon. Yeah, yeah, that one. Mm-hmm. I would love Malcolm Brogdon as the long-term— starting point next to Devin Booker. As far as a fit, if you're trying to fit a team around a Devin Booker, Malcolm Brogdon would be ideal. Yeah, that would yeah. be my first choice on that restricted free agency list. It would require Milwaukee to basically say they're going to let Bledsoe walk, or they're keeping Bledsoe. Because, keeping Bledsoe, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, that's a— uh, That'll be interesting to see how that plays That's out. That's true. He is the most likely to be matched on an offer, right? Yeah. Is that what you're saying, basically? Yeah. But the great thing about restricted free agency is that I think it's only three days now instead of seven on the offer sheet yeah. waiting for the match, you know? So you you still haven't necessarily lost all of your top guys if you make an offer on day one and it gets matched on day three. See, I, I hate that rule because it, it winds up, turning in a bad game of chicken where yeah. another team can just screw you just because they're pissed you right. you sign a guy to to an offer sheet. There's like, been talk that they'll reduce that to 24 hours, but I don't think that's in the CBA yet. I think they should make it really interesting, and you get 20 minutes, and it's live-streamed on Twitter, <laughs> so, and you have to make the choice. Let's go for entertainment value, right? In your office? That's right. <laughs> yeah, right. You, have, you have 20 minutes to decide if you're keeping this guy ready, set, go. Like. Oh. Oh, that would be epic. So here's here's a note for the Bucks on Facebook of of these offices. Uh, the the Bucks are hard capped. Uh, this Tim, Tim doesn't want to discuss that at all. Oh, that's cool. No, tell us more, Tim. Yeah, yeah. Well, I Bucks mean, well, yeah, the Bucks are hard capped this coming off season. So when you're looking at, they need to retain two of their point guards, and they're hard capped. Might be a little bit difficult to do so. They're also so, they're it, in a small market where they need to keep Giannis happy, and also where <laughs> selling tickets means more in small markets than it does in in, in large markets because you know they they need that money. The TV money is not as good, uh, and they're in a situation where they're hard capped. I've got it. I've finally figured out how we use the Milwaukee pick. We give it back to Milwaukee for Malcolm Brogdon at the <laughs> deadline. Who says no? Actually, I don't. I don't see the Bucks making any trades. So what I think up? they'll wait until the <laughs> offseason. But okay, so let's put these guys in order then. Uh-huh. Um, if you guys want to take Kyrie off the list, 
you've got Gorin, you've got Kemba for big uh, unrestricted free agent money. And then you've got maybe a D'Angelo Russell, a Terry Rozier, and a Malcolm Brogdon. Ricky What's Rubio. What's your order, Greg? Oh, Ricky Rubio. Yeah. So would you, what would be your top three of those six? I would probably go, if we're looking at fit and realistic, and yes, I'm biased because I am sitting in a room that I have Gorn merchandise in here. I'd probably put Gorn one for his fit with with Igor and the system and the understanding and how we know he can, regardless of the last week here in Phoenix that that he spent before that trade deadline, he can be a positive influence and, and a, a good leader and still play. So he'd probably be one. I'd probably go Rubio two. I'd like to put Brogdon in that two or three range, but I, I just wonder if Milwaukee's going to – going to try to retain him so i would probably go i'd probably go russell just because of the booker uh the booker factor there i would put brogdon personally i would put brogdon first goran second and uh um brogdon you know what we sorry don't brogdon need? first goran second and then d'angelo russell third we don't need another 33 year old vet that like this is the time in which the suns need to stop. Well, no, if you, if you, you need some kind of vet, right. If he's not 27 in his prime, uh, you need some kind of vet that is going to lead the locker room. And I think Goran can do that kind of thing. Um, I think Goran would be, if you're going to replace a, uh, Jamal Crawford. So I'm assuming if you sign a Goran, you don't have Jamal Crawford next year as your, as your veteran, uh, guard out there amongst Booker and Akobo and Melton and all that. So, that's what that's that's the context that I'm talking about a Goran in for one or two years. He'll only play really big minutes for one or two years out of those three that he signed for. But that's why I wouldn't put him first. So I would put Brogdon first. But let's not is some uh, junkyard point guard before he got hurt. He was still averaging 15, five and three, like literally an all-star last year. Right. Yeah, his, like, his, efficiency, so... his efficiency has gone down this year. He's just not, all I'm saying is we have seen time over time, over time of the Suns keep their, their big free agent signings are these vets that are That's at the very true. end of their career. And at a certain point you got to stop. Well, I'm not sure that the point guard is going to be where they're, their their big free agent move is either like that power forward spot maybe maybe where your where your big money your oh, big target is you know like that's Zion's spot right there Zion yeah <laughs> our 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 Zion protected pick yes uh, no Zion but, protected pick um, so you what, know what I, do we think I tweeted the this the other day go. and I think it's I think it's still true I think the Suns have a better chance which is like equally zero. Um, but they have a better chance of retaining Dragon Bender next year as having Zion Williamson on the roster. <laughs> oh, is that supposed to make me feel? No, it just means uh, I, I talk about Zion Williamson, but I think there's like a less than zero chance Zion actually ends up on the Suns uh, simply because the Suns already got that number one pick last year. They're not going to get lottery odds again and get another number one pick. It's just not going to happen. And I'd rather have, um, I'd rather go into like uh, um, having NBA players than a Cam Reddish, Reddish or an RJ Barrett at this point, just because the Suns as an as an organization need to move forward, and drafting another guy top five that isn't once in a generation is not going to move them forward that fast. 
Oh, and Sarver has made it very clear he doesn't have a taste for prolonging this rebuild any anymore. further. Right. So, I don't think right. anybody and, has much yeah. of a taste for <laughs> uh, no, making this. Nobody has a taste. <laughs> like, right. we're, That's we're done. We're not going to see tanking the rest of the year either. But, but none of us sign the paychecks or make the decisions, <clears throat> and the guy that does doesn't have a taste for it anymore either. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, uh, the the I was referring to the fan base. I think that the fan yeah. base ownership – uh, the front office, I think collectively the players, everyone's like, okay, the tanks. So, I mean, really, we didn't even talk about it, but a tank for the, the Suns isn't, it's not the same as in other years. Like maybe you would stop playing Jamal Crawford and, you know, you play <laughs> Elliot Kobo more, you know, but that's not really tanking. Like they're already, there's, there's nothing already to tank. They're already playing a Kobo more <laughs> yeah. in the last they're couple They're starting of weeks. three rookie players. There's nothing to tank at this point. Well, I mean, if you if you're not playing Devin Booker and TJ Warren, then you're definitely going to win fewer games the rest of the year. I just don't see the Suns doing it again because they saw how bad it worked out for them the last few years. Even though they got their top picks, they took guys, but still, their veterans wanted out. Heck, at this point, Devin's body may uh, may make that a, a moot point. So we'll we'll find out. <laughs> like. He is not exactly uh, stayed up. healthy this year. What, so. what did, I think it was Kellen Olsen that, that tweeted out that Devin Booker's had 15 <clears throat> random injuries uh, since the beginning of last season. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm thinking it's – I really do think it's a, it's, it's a physical maturity thing, and he'll be fine once he gets into you know next year and the year after and the year after. He'll get healthier. Steph Curry had a lot of injury issues his first couple of years too, and Steph was older. Steph came in at 21 or 22 and still needed time to adjust to a huge uh, NBA workload. So I think these are these are not the kind of the, – the injuries that worry me or the Eric Bledsoe-type injuries where he missed entire years or half seasons with knee issues that don't necessarily um, go away forever. Uh, whereas with um, uh, Devin, it's Nick here, Nick there, uh, sprain here, sprain there. Yeah, fingers. but back spasms were because he fell on his back. Yeah, I mean, no, I, mean, I like, remember the play. That's what like, I mean. Um, who's, That's my point uh, exactly. I'm agreeing. Yeah, uh, right, right, right. But um, I was going to, sorry, I was going to make a uh, connection to the the kid in Denver um, who has back spasms, uh, back issues, like real structural back issues that was drafted this past year. It was going to be a top five, but he ended up going the lottery. Carter, Carter uh, Jr.? Dang no, it, no, not no. Carter, not, not Carter Jr., uh, I know who you're talking about. Shoot. Anyway, his name escapes me, but he has taken and now he's with the Nuggets and he's still not playing. Uh, and well, he came in with Porter structural Jr. back issues. What's that? Michael Porter, Porter Jr. Michael Porter Jr. For some reason in my head, I kept saying Kevin Porter, but that's a USC kid who's, who's still in school, who's just coming back from injury. But um, yeah, Michael Porter Jr., that's a bad back issue. That's a problem. Uh, whereas Devin's all will go away. It's just a matter of he has to stop getting new ones. Yeah. One one thing that James... Did James you see that Devin Booker bought every, all of his team custom bikes? I did. I just thought that was hilarious given the fact that um, people were talking about the fact that he was <laughs> riding a bike and then suddenly he had a broken hand. Yep, he trolled he trolled people by doing that. I also like yes. that he gave gave George King one, uh, even though George spent most of his time in uh, in northern well, Arizona. Well, he can ride his bike to Prescott and back, man. <laughs> yeah. That's a heck of a ride. Man, that would I, keep you in shape. I need a new job where my coworkers buy me things. Yeah, I need that too. 
Hey, if one, I get things, of, it's it's little knickknack things here and there, and I appreciate them. But yeah, I need a whole bike from somebody. That'd be cool, custom one bike. Of, one of my coworkers bought me a desk calendar. Does that count? Is that right? <laughs> that's the kind of thing I get. <laughs> right, right. I love it though. But hey, um, um, yeah. So I just thought that was a great troll job getting everybody bicycles after that whole stupid social media blow up incident of him maybe breaking his hand from falling off a bike. So uh, coming up on time, uh, a couple of things. One is I'm going to be in Phoenix on the 21st. I'm going to be attending the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves game. And it looks like all three of us are going to be at the game, likely. Why don't Uh, we do, why don't we plan our bruise and hoops? Because I'd rather just have dinner with you guys. But if somebody wants to. Cut that out. We can meet at halftime. If anybody's at the game. Oh, yeah, that's what I mean. Somebody wants to meet up, shoot me a, a tweet at Radio Tim NBA. Also, if you want to support the show, open up the show notes right now. Hit the Become a Supporter button. It's super easy. A dollar a month. It really does help out, and we'll love you a long time. Yeah, and if you do that, maybe Dave can afford pants. So Right. And we would appreciate that. Yeah, so would my coworkers. Yeah. You just got done listening to the Solar Panel. For more great Suns content, check out the Timeline podcast for stuff like this. There's no way that Hakeem Olajuwon makes his own pancakes. <laughs> I'm really sorry that you just made a great coherent point and that's all I had to respond with, but it, all it did was lead me to look up the fact that Hakeem Olajuwon made $110 million in his NBA career and God knows how much since then. He easily has someone at his ranch to make his pancakes, right? That's The Timeline, a Phoenix Suns podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. 